The following sermon was recorded from the worship service of Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. May God use the reading and preaching of His Word to accomplish His purposes in your life. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible with you, I'd have you open up to Nehemiah chapter 8. You know, the original plan was that I was going to uh, be in chapter 8 this week, and then next weekend that we would be in chapter 9, and then we would have a Christmas Eve service. Still planning, uh, I think, to have a Christmas Eve service, but but changing the plan a little bit. And uh, next week, rather than going to Nehemiah chapter 9, I'm going to kind of do like a little prequel to the Christmas Eve sermon. Next week, I'm going to preach a sermon that I just decided this today. I'm going to call Not As Planned, which just seems really like everything we've tried to do in 2020 has gone not as planned. And we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, uh, and see how things were maybe not going as many involved in that seem to think that they should go, or maybe had planned that they should go. And then kind of part two of that message will come on Christmas Eve, where we look at Luke chapter 2, and the message title for that will be just as planned. So not as planned on December 20th and 19th, and then just as planned for Christmas Eve. So, but today we're in Nehemiah chapter 8 still, and a question to start off. I love thinking about food. I love eating food. Uh, so maybe you do too. Uh, what are you hungry for? What do you get hungry for? Uh, me? Uh, I more often crave salty stuff than sweet stuff, although sweet stuff with a cup of coffee is really, really good too. Over time, I have learned to like develop a taste and a hunger for healthier foods that I previously thought I would not ever enjoy, things like roasted broccoli. Both Kirsten and I enjoy cooking and baking and eating especially, and uh, we are blessed by God. He's provided for us in such a way that we pretty much always have a pretty well-stocked home when it comes to groceries. So when we're hungry for something, we usually can find a way to make sure that we can eat what we're hungry for. We can satisfy that hunger. And you know, probably as well as I, when our hunger is satisfied, then we're typically happier. It's easier to be happy when when your tummy's full than it is when you're hungry. So today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to see how God's people hunger for God's word. And then we're going to see the effect that it has on them when they consume it. And, and maybe a good piece of application to think about before we get into it is this. Think back on the year 2020. What was your interaction with God's Word like in the year 2020? In many ways, a lot of things changed and we had more time at home than we've had before, but I also read somewhere recently that in some poll of Christians or something like that, many of them had said, I've had way more time but I've actually spent less time in God's Word this year than in other years. What about you? Did you use it sparingly? Did you have a hunger for it and feast on it regularly? And when you consumed it, what effect did God's Word have on you in the past year? And what's your plan for interacting with the Bible in 2021? I've been, I think often about one of the pieces of the vision for our church is that we want to be a church that's increasingly molded by God's Word. What if more and more of us each year got more and more molded by 
God's Word, that that started to shape the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live our lives, what would that look like? These are some important questions that we'll be asking as we try to apply Nehemiah 8 to our lives today. But before we can ever apply Scripture, we need to understand. And understanding requires a little bit of context. And those of you that have been here each week uh, would know a lot of this. I'm going to just very briefly uh, today before we read it, just outline a couple of things because I think it's really important to know that there's a pretty sharp division after chapter 7 and before chapter 8. Chapter 1 through 7 in Nehemiah uh, really focused on God's work through Nehemiah to build a wall. And so if we look back at chapters 1 through 7, we would notice that Nehemiah, the author of this book, wrote all of chapter 1 through 7. He wrote that in the first person. You remember what that means from English class? Right? He, 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 was, he was the one narrating the whole story. He continues to be the author of the story when we get to chapter 8, but now he's going to be writing in the third person. Why the shift? I think it's because of the shift of content. Whereas before, the focus was on God's work through Nehemiah to build the wall. When we get to chapter 8, the focus shifts so that now the focus is on God's work through God's word to build the people. That's what we're going to see as we go forward now in the rest of the book of Nehemiah. We haven't done this every week lately, but I think it's important to do this week. That is to read all of the scripture uh, all at one time, and then I'll go back uh, over it. And so our custom is, if we are able, uh, that we stand together as God's word is read. And actually where that custom comes from is Nehemiah chapter 8, which you'll see here in a little bit. So if you're able to, to do that, even if you're watching online and sitting on your couch, Maybe it'd be good to stretch a little bit and get up uh, as we read God's word together. Let's pray, and then we'll read the word. Father, thank you. Thank you for those gathered. Thank you for your word. Thank you for those watching online. And I pray now that your spirit would be at work, even as your spirit worked through Nehemiah, that he would say exactly what you wanted him to say as he relayed what happened uh, about 2,400-some years ago now. I pray that your spirit would be at work in this place, even through my speaking and through our hearing right now, in such a way that our hearts are molded and transformed more and more by your word. Shape us by it now, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read God's word. Nehemiah chapter 8. God's word says this, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Melchizedek, Hashum, Hashbanana, 
Zechariah and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped their Lord with the faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Cherubiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing, because they had understood the words that were declared to them. On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people, with the priests and the Levites, came together to Ezra, the scribe, in order to study the words of the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim, and all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Amen. You can be seated. Thanks for standing. Uh, might have felt like a long time, but they did it from uh, early morning till midday, it sounds like. So that was nothing. Uh, and I still just have a four-page notes for my sermon. I was, it's almost always four pages of notes, so I'm not going to be preaching any longer uh, than that today. But grateful uh, for the opportunity to open up God's Word. Hopefully you came hungry, and hopefully if you didn't come hungry, God's making you hungry for his word, even as we look at it now. That's actually the first point in the message. First point in the message is hungry. I read in verses 1 through 8, and I hope you heard as I read through that how it was that God's people expressed their hunger. If you think about timing, we're told here in verse 2 that it was the first day of the seventh month. That puts us one week after the completion of the wall. Remember, the completion of the wall took 52 days, I think it was. They completed the wall, and the work is not done. 
Because God has a work yet to do in the people. The wall is up, there's a work yet to be done in the people, and so it's been a week, but now the people are gathered together, and what do they want? They didn't ask for a vacation after their hard work. Instead, they asked Ezra, who's the author of the book that comes right before Nehemiah in your Bible, They asked Ezra, scribe and priest, to bring to them the book of the law of Moses. What is the book of the law of Moses? That's usually how they would refer to the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Sometimes they would use that just to refer to the book of Deuteronomy, but most of the time to all five of those books. And so... Because they didn't have uh, access to the Word of God like we do. Uh, You know, we've got Bibles all over our house, all over this church building. They wanted to hear the Word of God. They they recognized it as the Word of God. They called it the book of the law of Moses, but it was that the Lord had commanded Israel. It is the very Word of God. They know it, and that's what they want. The people are hungry for the Word of God. Bring the Word of God to us. We don't have our own copies. Ezra, you're a scribe, you're a priest. Stand and bring the word of God to us. That's what they were hungering for. Now, who was all there? Look at verse 2. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly. Notice, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. So we're hearing, I think, there that kids are there as well. We've got men and women. That's referring to all adults then. And also all those who could understand. One of the reasons we want kids to be in worship services is knowing that they can't understand everything. Have you read Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, right? Now, I'm sure not every kid there understood everything that they were saying for that whole day, but they were there and absorbing some of it, and so they were there, all those, it says, who could understand. And then as we go in verses 3 through 8, I'm not going to read through those again, but I want to just look back and notice, did you notice as I was reading it, how the words that describe people's response to God's word, did you notice those in there? Let's just look back, I'm not going to read through the verses, but look in verse 3, verse 3, and he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, what does it say at the end, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. That's one way they responded to God's word. When it was read, they were attentive to it. Verse 5 is another one. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened the book, what happened? The people stood. An act of reverence before the word of God. So they, they, they they listened for a long time, obviously, as well. But attentively, reverently, and then verse 6 has a couple of them. It says in verse 6 that Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So humbly, worshipfully, they responded to the word of God. Another thing I think you would note if you looked again through verses 3 through 8 is you see how many times understanding or understood shows up in this passage. I counted four of them. 
Notice that it was Ezra doing the preaching or teaching from the platform, but there were people here and there were people there, and presumably those are the people that that went out among the crowds to help them to understand what it was that were teaching. They had kind of like on-the-spot life groups, I think, uh, happening while Ezra is up on the platform reading the very Word of God. The goal wasn't just, hey, we're going we're gonna to get through this whole thing and check that one off our list, right? The goal was that they would understand what God had to say in his word. It's a beautiful picture, I think. The, the way it says here in verse 8, it says, they read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. Okay? Basically what preaching is. I actually had a professor in seminary who wrote a book called Giving the Sense. Uh, the idea of that's what prophets in the Old Testament were called to do. That's what we seek to do as we're preaching the Word of God, trying to give the sense so that people would understand. It's a beautiful picture. The city walls have now been rebuilt, the gates constructed, the doors put in place. But that wasn't the end. That was just a means to the end, that God's people could safely gather to worship God. And the first thing they wanted not a vacation. They were hungry for the Word of God. That's what they knew they needed to be built up to grow. The good news is they were hungry for it and a way was made for them to consume it. So, point of application. What do we need to grow? <laughs> the Word. Are you hungry for it? Maybe you're honest. Some of you would say, well, I've, I've tasted, I've tried, and it was bitter. Some stuff in there I didn't like, and so kind of grown, grown not very attached to it. Some of you would say, yeah, I, I've tried, I've tasted it, but it's hard to swallow. Understanding doesn't come easy. I read it, and I just don't get it. Maybe you've tasted it. You, like, you know it's healthy, but honestly... You filled yourself up with so much of the junk food, of the apps on your phone and the games and episodes on the screen, that you're full and you haven't taken the time to develop a craving for the very Word of God. Reminded of what Jesus said after spending 40 days in the desert fasting, no food, no drink, and when Satan came to tempt him, do you remember what Jesus did? He quoted God's Word, and he quoted from the book of the Law of Moses, from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, and what did he say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Church, do you feel like you're having a hard time growing? I think we ought to look at what it is that we're consuming. And if you don't have an appetite for consuming God's Word, I would suggest consume it anyway while asking God to give you understanding and a greater hunger for it. I used to be able to eat whatever I wanted with seemingly no health consequences. For breakfast, I would eat whatever sounded good to me. Often it was whatever was left over whatever I could find in the fridge. If there were cookies around, that sounded like a good breakfast to me. Donuts are good, right? That's what I used to do. 
I would even say to people, how can you eat the same thing for breakfast every day? That's so boring. There's so many good things to eat, right? Let's just eat whatever sounds good. Well, a couple years back, I found out that I can't eat whatever I want with no health consequences. And so one of the things I figured out is that I needed to eat more protein in the morning. So I tried some non-fat Greek yogurt. Have you had that stuff? At first, I didn't like it at all. But I just kept eating it anyway. Because I wanted to develop a taste and an appetite for it. And guess what? I'm the guy who eats the same breakfast six days a week now. And every one of them, it includes Greek yogurt. I was able to develop a taste and an appetite for it. And so church, I get it that maybe your appetite for God's Word is not very big right now. But I think by regularly consuming it, while asking God, by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, to to help you to not just, I I just don't want to understand, it's not just for my head, we do need to understand, but we want to know God. That's why we read His Word. When somebody, when we want to know somebody, we listen to them speak, and God speaks in His Word, and so we want to know God. We want to be transformed and molded by His Word. So I'm grateful that our church gathers together often around the Word, and again, right now, I get it. Maybe one of your excuses for not being in the Word more in 2020 was, well, we didn't have life groups for a good chunk of the year. We didn't have this, and we didn't have that. I understand that, and I hope more of that stuff is coming back. We'll be talking with the elders on Monday night about getting life groups rolling again in January. There's ways that things are happening again. I sent out an email today, by the way, uh, about uh, men's discipleship groups, and uh, I just sent it out this afternoon, put it together, and I started getting, uh, I got like seven responses already this afternoon from men wanting to be involved in a group with some other men. Uh, so, so there's ways uh, for that to happen, but a lot of things haven't been canceled. The opportunity for you to do family worship in your own home, not canceled this year. Worship services, I guess they were, we even had online every week at least, but most of the time we've been able to get together. You know, uh, those families who have a child in Awana at home, those Awana books are great discipleship tools. Uh, In the back also, uh, on your way out, those of you that are here, and if you're watching online and want one of these, call us and we'll get one sent to you. Well, we printed out a couple different Bible reading plans. One uh, is, is called the 5 by 5 by 5 It says that on the front. That's just the New Testament in the year Bible reading plan. And another one is the whole Bible in a year Bible reading plan. I think it's good to start with a plan. Often we've not gotten these out until later. I want to get them out now so that if you're one who often maybe falls behind and you don't have a plan yet for 2021, pretend it's January and start reading now. And then when you get behind, you won't give up later, hopefully. So make a plan for reading the Word. I want to be people who hunger for it more and more, like the people were here in Nehemiah's day. We spent a lot of time on that first section. We're going to go through the next couple a bit more quickly. First point was hungry. Second point is this, humbled and happy. Humbled and happy. Actually, joyful would be a better word, more accurate, but it didn't start with H, so I'm going with happy. Let's go ahead and look at verses 9 through 12. In 9 through 12, we're going to see how they respond. Verse 9 said, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribes, and Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, 
This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Interesting response, isn't it? Here they are, hungering for the word of the law. They hear the word of the law and their response is weeping. Why? Presumably because they had been people who had been starved of God's word for so long and likely were finding as it was read to them that they had been disobedient in many ways. They seem humbled. They're weeping. And humility is certainly a right response to God's word at times. But on this holy day, the leaders didn't want that to be the only response. Because it shouldn't be the only response. Their response should be one of joy. Instead, verse 10 said this, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord, and do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes, you're, you're guilty, God is merciful, so rejoice. Yes, you're weak, but it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. And then in verses 11 to 12, the Levites join in the instruction as well, saying eventually there was, by verse 12 we see, and all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing. And why were they rejoicing? Did you notice that? Because... They had understood the words that were declared to them. There is a joy that comes when the God of the universe speaks and you understand it. Have you felt that joy? Maybe, maybe you've walked out of a worship service before, humbled and happy. Maybe you've spent time in God's word on your own, humbled, convicted of your own sin as you read through it yet also reading clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that brought about not just conviction, but also joy. Church, let's pray that God not only gives us a hunger for the word, but that he helps us to respond in rightful ways, sometimes humbled, sometimes happy, bringing about great rejoicing. This is what God's word is intended to do. And then... Verses 13 to 18, the next point, heating. Heating. Like H-E-E-D-I-N-G. When the people of God hunger for the Word of God, and they listen to it attentively, reverently, worshipfully, they're going to be humbled, they're going to be happy, but they're also going to be called to obey. Right? God's Word calls us to obey. Now, if, you, if this was like a Bible study, we'd take time doing this. If you want to look this up in your Bible later, I'd encourage you to do it. Leviticus 23, 33 to 43. Okay? Leviticus 23, 33 to 43. That's included in the book of the law of Moses. Presumably, that's a spot that Ezra was reading to them because of what we see here in verses 13 to 18. Let's look at verses 13, 14, and 15 quickly. It says, on the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the law. Okay? They're just having a Bible study. Verse 14, and they found it written in the law 
that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths. Now, when we think of booths, we think of like a restaurant. That's not what they're talking about here. Yours might say tabernacles, or yours might say tents. Okay, a booth is a temporary dwelling. Okay? So they're reading about this, and that they should dwell in booths during the feast of the seventh month. Remember what time of year it was from early? It was the first day of the seventh month. Oh, so they're looking at the calendar and figuring out this is the time that we're supposed to be doing this thing that God had commanded his people to do. Now, why would God command his people to live in a tent for a week in the seventh month of the year? Verse 15, and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns in Jerusalem. And then it has some instruction. Why would they do that? Well, if you went back to Leviticus chapter 23, where God gives that instruction, you would be reminded that it's because God had delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. People of God delivered from slavery in Egypt and didn't have permanent homes for 40 years. Remember that? They wandered in the wilderness and God provided for them every step of the way. And so this this time of building these temporary shelters and living in them for a week, what was the intent of that? To remind them that God who delivers is the God who provides for them. Let's go on. It's called the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's go on and just finish this chapter. Are they going to do it? I mean... They have a choice, don't they? They heard, oh, that's what God's word says you're supposed to do in the seventh month? Well, we've already taken quite a bit of time off of work to build this wall, and we're going to be, we got to get going. Nope. What do they do? Verse 16. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof, and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God, and in the square at the water gate, and in the square at the gate of Ephraim, and all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. It doesn't mean that that nobody had practiced this that whole time. They just hadn't done it in the way that, that was like everybody doing it together with joy. And there was very great rejoicing. And day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. They kept the feast seven days, and on the eighth day there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. They just had, listen to this, they had like an all-city, whole-family, happy campout centered around the word of God for a week. Why? Because that's what God's Word told them to do. Side note, I think we should have some sort of family camp out uh, as a church at some point uh, this summer. That would be great. We've got a lot of land right here. It'd be cool to do that. Somebody wants to organize it, do it. That'd be great. Another point of application, though, would be this. Have you noticed how God often works when we set aside a period of time to intentionally focus on knowing him more by being in his word. 
Have you had times like that in your life? Maybe you've participated in some sort of event. It got you like outside of your normal routine and into the Word of God in a more intense way. Maybe it was a women's retreat of some sort, maybe a men's conference, maybe a weekend retreat, maybe a summer camp, maybe a mission trip, whatever it is. One of the reasons that Hidden Acres Camp is one of our missions partners is because we recognize that when people set aside a time and go away and sit under the teaching of God's Word, God does a great work in people. And maybe you can share your own experience with others around you when it comes to that. And maybe one of the points of application, seeing how, how God was working in this way, is like, ah, you know what, in 2021, I haven't done something like that for a while. I'm going to do that. There's something about setting aside a, time, a period of time, and maybe you're like, I don't like big crowds of people. Maybe it's just like a personal retreat where you set aside time to just consume God's Word and allow God to transform you by it. I think it would be an encouraging thing to get on the calendar for 2021. Here they were doing it because God's Word told them to do it. We're doing this series in the weeks leading up to Christmas because... I want to look and explore and see how it is that God's Word points us ahead to the hope that we have in Jesus. So we're going to close with that today. As I looked at the connection that we see here in Nehemiah 8 between the Word and joy, we see that over and over again here, rejoicing. The people kept rejoicing. That was the response to the Word of God, rejoicing reminded me, and, and just being in the season that we're in, reminded me of two different passages. Just do one verse out of each. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 14. Remember how John 1, the way John describes Jesus taking on flesh, the incarnation, John describes it from a much more like cosmic point of view. He doesn't give us all the details of the, the, the baby lying in a manger and swaddling claws. That's what Luke does. But John, remember how that begins? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right? That's how it begins, referring to Jesus, the eternal Son of God, as the Word. And in verse 14, kind of the Christmas story according to John, verse 14 in John is, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But then Luke's version of the story is much more, he's a historian, he's a doctor, much more down to earth getting into all of the details. His account is the one we usually read on Christmas. Remember how he tells of how an angel came to tell Mary that she would give birth to a son. She was to name him Jesus. He would be great. He would be called Son of the Most High. He would sit on the throne of his father David and would reign forever. He tells of how Mary and Joseph traveled down to Bethlehem. And when she had given birth to a baby, laid him in a manger. And then there were shepherds out on the field keeping watch over their flocks by night. Remember all of this from Luke chapter 2. And then do you remember what Luke chapter 2 verse 10 says? Remember what John had said. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Is this a cause for joy? Yeah. Remember what the angel said in Luke 2.10? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that is good news of great joy for all people. The Savior, Christ, the Lord. So, have you heard the good news? <laughs> it's good news because the bad news is worse than you might think. You and I came into the world spiritually dead. Sinners by nature and by choice, and our sin separates us from God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's why we need a Savior. That's why the eternal Son of God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet He never sinned. But He was died. But but He died. He was crucified died between two criminals condemned he took on himself our sin and the father's wrath which we deserve he died he was buried he rose on the third day what scripture tells us and the only way for us to be justified declared righteous before god is for us to be united to christ by faith that comes through the supernatural regenerating work of the holy spirit we respond by repenting of our sin, putting our faith in Jesus. And those of us who have done that, who repent and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we're forgiven. We're granted eternal life. And so, have you received that free gift? Here's the good news about this one. There's other gifts I know, like maybe waiting under your tree and you have to wait until Christmas to open it. This free gift offered to us is not one we wait until Christmas to open we're not even guaranteed that we're going to make it to Christmas. And so if you have not been made right with God through faith in Jesus, you have not received the free gift of salvation from the Word who became flesh, then you have no hope of eternal joy, only temporary happiness. I would love to talk to you sometime this week about what it looks like to trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the good news. Great joy for all people. Thank you that Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. I thank you that we have your Word, that we might know you. And I pray that you would make us people that hunger for it, And if we don't have much of an appetite now, that you would help us to consume it anyway, asking that you would give us a greater hunger and appetite all the time. And that as we do it, we would respond by being humbled, by having great joy, and by obeying what you say in your word. And for all of that, we are in need of the help of your spirit who dwells in us. And so I pray that you would help us to live in a way that pleases you, in a way that brings glory to Jesus, in a way that causes other people to wonder about a reason for the hope that we have, that we might be able to point them, not just through actions, because we need to use words too, so give us the right words, that we might boldly proclaim the good news of great joy to all people, that Jesus is the one and only Savior, and Jesus is the one and only Lord. For all of us who belong to him, God, we just give you thanks. We're grateful for those that we work with, those that we go to school with, and those 
that we're going to potentially gather with over Christmas who do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, God, would you help us to offer to them, though we can't force them to take it, help us to be people who would offer them that free gift that they might, by the power of your Spirit, receive it with great joy. Thank you for listening to this message from Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church. More information about Iowa Falls Evangelical Free Church can be found at our website, www.ifefree.org, or you can call the church office at 641-648-3305. That's www.ifefree.org or 641-648-3305.